Welcome back to the second hour of the show. It's been a good six, seven months since we've heard that music, but we're less than a month out from the beginning of the legislative session. Welcome back, Alex Riley. Thanks for having me. I'm sure just like most legislators, as soon as session ends in May, you don't do anything legislative related, political related. You just sort of disappear from everybody's consciousness and then you reappear (laughs) right around January. I know that's not true. All right. Tell us a little bit. Three weeks out from session starting, it kicks off, what, the third? Yes, it starts January 3rd this year, so just a Why couple weeks ago. Why does it start so ago. fast? Is so, it like the first Wednesday after the first Monday or something like that? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So that's set out all in the state constitution. I think that's right. First Wednesday after the first Monday. And this year, I think Monday must be on uh, the first. So that would make Wednesday the third, and uh, that's when we start. So we actually have this year, I think, the most legislative days that we can have uh under under the state constitution so we may need it and you may need it you may need it that that is true i think it is the the longest possible session you could have because of the starting moment okay we talked about this i asked everybody this question about the upcoming legislative session last one was a little rough and this is from a conservative viewpoint a through f what's your optimism level about the session so i'm an eternal optimist um I don't think you can do this job well if you are coming in with a defeatist mentality. So there are plenty of people that have already written off this session as a big waste of time because of the election year dynamics and the election. So many people running for higher office that are in the Senate, that are in the House, that all have um, an interest in in seeing their opponents not do well. And that is a very real challenge that we're going to deal with. Um However, I, so I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a letter. I'll, I'll say a C. Um, I don't think it's going to be a banner year by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's going to be an incredibly challenging year, but I do think that there are a number of low hanging fruit types of bills that aren't the types of things that make it on the front page of the newspaper. They're probably not the types of things that we talk about on this show every day, but they are good pieces of legislation that will move our state forward that we've been working on for a number of years that have just died for various reasons at the end of session that you run out of time, um, whatever. I think this is the year for those types of things to have a shot because you're going to have a lot of people. Garrett's like, is one of those things sports betting? I mean, I say it every every <laughs> week on this show. And uh, I think that sports betting is unlikely to be one of those things. I think uh, the dynamics that have been in place for the past three or more years um, that have caused sports betting to have a hard time getting through are still going to be in place this year with the the cast of characters that we have in the, the House and the Senate. I think that will be a challenge. You never know. Sometimes lightning can strike and you can catch lightning in a bottle and Weird stuff happens sometimes, but I do think sports betting is going to be uh, is going to be challenging. But I think that there's a contingent of us that are not running for higher office on both the House side and the Senate side that we're going to keep our 
our, our nose to the ground and we're going to try and get some work done while a lot of the people that are running for higher office are, are doing their grandstanding and all that kind of political nonsense. There's a lot of us that are still um, going to be working hard to try and find some ways to get some good things done for our constituents. I think our people back home demand that of us and uh, we owe it to them. Tell us, what are some of those smaller subject bills or maybe the bills that are not headlines that you think you're optimistic they're going to get done this year because we just they're due? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that we can do on the economic front that aren't necessarily especially controversial. There's some um, deregulation type of things we can do that I think we have a real chance that would uh, make, make a good impact for the state. Um, I think there's some things for kids and foster care and adoption that we can do that has some broad bipartisan support that I think we have a chance to get done. Um, those are the types of things that I'm thinking of. It's probably not your big controversial social issues that are going to find a way to get done. Those are probably going to get caught up in the political grandstanding Um We'll see if there's an opportunity to do some initiative petition reform. We've been working on that for a long time. You were probably working on it when you were back in the House. I was. That's been a while ago now. Man, this was Todd Richardson was the floor leader. So this would have been, what, 2015 when I filed? Yeah, so we're looking at, you know, a decade. Yeah, we've been working on this for a decade. And the, the, I mean, the frustrating thing is probably the same as when you were in the House is, is nearly everybody with an R next to their name on both the House and the Senate side, agree that something needs to be done. Where we get ourselves all tied in knots is we can't quite find a consensus on how to fix it. Um, there's also, I think there's a little bit of the, the the credit game that gets stuck here. Is who gets credit for actually getting it done? Um, and maybe not on this issue, but at least on some of these issues, you see somebody sponsor and then everybody else is like, well, we can't let them get credit. And it just becomes this big inside the, the tent game. Yeah, and that attitude always drives me nuts because i think (laughs) rightly or wrongly one of the great things about being in the legislature is if a bill gets done and you voted yes on it you can claim as much credit as you want you can say this would not have happened but for me um and if you don't want something to happen you vote no and you can say well i voted no i tried my darndest to prevent it from happening and all those yahoos you know went around me and got it got it passed anyway. So I'll never understand that whole, we don't want people to get credit. Cause I don't think our constituents, to be honest, are all that concerned about whether representative Riley or representative Har got house bill 242 to the, to the governor's desk, but they do care about if certain things happen, if their taxes got cut, if babies are saved in the state, if their second amendment rights are protected, that's what they really care about. They don't really care about who it is exactly that's doing it. You know, that is one of the things that I, there's a Bible verse where there's no vision, the people perish. And I feel like that's one of the complaints I've heard the last couple of years is, well, what are the priorities? What's, what are the priorities this year for the Republicans and the legislature or Republicans in the house? What are the two or three things they're going to try to get done this year? Yeah. And I think as far as the big ticket things go, um, the initiative petition reform process is probably priority number one for the House. I think if you ask any Republican House member, they'll tell you that that's priority number one or two for the caucus as a whole. So I know we're going to work on a couple of those bills, probably pass out a, a couple of options, send it over to the Senate and see what they do with it. 
um, uh, an issue that we've talked about in the past that I think will be a priority but will be very challenging because the election year dynamics is going to be the foreign ownership of land piece. That's something that we passed a really good bill out of the House last year, sent it over to the Senate. They really mucked around in it and messed it up. They did, and, and we've talked about this a couple times over the last couple of weeks. They came up with a compromise that was drafted by a lobbyist that said, well, you can sell all the land you want to China. They just can't use it for farming. And, uh, you know, the House came back and was like, that's not what we want to do at all. And it is frustrating to watch all these other states. They figure out ways to get China and North Korea not to buy their land. But somehow the Missouri Senate can't seem to get out of its own way and figure that yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. So that's that's a big priority for the House to do it the right way. Um I think we'll probably pass a good bill out of the House that does that, and then we'll see what the Senate does. And that's where the election year dynamics get really complicated because I think you've got two, if not all three, of the leading governor candidates all taking various positions on that issue and kind of smacking each other around with it for not being strong enough on it. Um, and, and given just the makeup of the Senate and that one of the folks that's running for governor is over there, that will complicate that effort i believe yeah i i think that's likely you know uh one of the things we haven't talked about too much there's been a lot of conversation um about the speaker of the house dean plocker of course how the ethics committee has been meeting they've met several times no no leaks nothing coming out of there what's the mood of the caucus right now in regards to the the dean's issues in the house ethics committee yeah i think most people are 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 waiting to see what the house ethics committee does with their investigation um before making any sort of public calls and i think that's i think that's the right call um the speaker has been very i think forthcoming with the caucus we had a a a meeting with the whole caucus about a month ago and um he presented his story of the facts and how they transpired and then stood and took questions for a couple hours from from the caucus and and really did a a a good job i think of answering those questions in a, an honest and transparent way so that's where things stand right now we'll see what the ethics committee does and then go from there uh tell us a little bit um you specifically we talked off the air You've got a pretty heavy policy load for those of you who don't know. Alex represents the 134th district, Southwest Springfield over in the battlefield. Talk to us about your policy plans this year. Yeah. So I've got a number of bills that are in the works that are mostly on the, on the economic side of things. That's really where my personal level of, of expertise is. So I've got a number of bills that are, are deregulation type of bills where we're trying to make it easier for people to enter the workforce trying to make it easier for um, people once they're in the workforce to be able to advance in their professions, earn uh, more income and have more economic opportunity there. For one reason or the other, Missouri over the years has put a lot of roadblocks in place. You have to have a lot of various licenses and certificates from the government in order to be involved in certain professions that most other states in the country don't require. Um, so a lot of that goes back to the years when the Democrats are running control of the state and they put all kinds of regulations in place. And a lot of those are um, 
really ripe to come down and and help us get uh, get get the workforce in a stronger position and help people uh, get in a better spot to earn more for themselves and support their families. You know, the other thing um, on this, I feel like there's, as you mentioned earlier, we get sometimes we do get lost a little bit in the big ticket items, but sometimes these small bills end up having this massive difference when they get done and signed, and you see it. It's the old adage, uh, you can't be everything to everybody, but you can be everything to one. Sometimes you can, the legislation can be everything in one small sliver of an area. Yeah, that, that's right. And I think the, the thing about our work in the legislature is it's pretty rare where you're going to hit the grand slam. Um, but if you can hit singles and doubles and move the ball down the field, I'm mixing my sports metaphors there, but, um, you know, if you can do that, then it's a slam dunk session. And it's there, a slam, a slam the, dunk session. Let's come on. I'm just talking <laughs> soccer. We'll get, figure out something to get that in there before the segment's over. Um, but if you can do those types of things, those are the things that really have an impact on the state and make our state better and more competitive over the long run. One, one thing that, uh, is, is sort of inside baseball, but if listeners knew the value in it, they would pay more attention. You're the chairman of the General Laws Committee, my mind, maybe the most powerful committee in Jefferson City um, behind budget. Walk us through what is General Laws, what makes it so powerful? So the General Laws Committee, I, I agree. I think it is the second most powerful committee in, in the House for sure. And what we are responsible for dealing with are all the most controversial types of bills. Um, that means you could... For example, we talked about this a lot last year. All the transgender bills came through my committee. But I also had de- bills dealing with alcohol and guns. And, um, I mean, it, it could, you could hear any, any, any bill on any type of topic. So, um, that's the, the neat thing I think about general laws is most of your committees are sort of stuck with kind of one type of, one type of topic. You've got your education committee and they really only hear education bills and your economic development committee and they only hear economic development types of bills. And then you've got, um, the general laws committee and we can, can and do tackle all of those issues. Um, tell, you know, this year, obviously the session hasn't started yet, but what were some of the, what are our expectations? What, what type of thorny issues do you expect in that, that committee this year? Or do you know yet? I don't know yet. Um, been having some discussions with the speaker's office over the past couple of weeks about strategy on what bills are going to come my way and how we're going to handle those. Um, I think we'll probably see a lot of the types of bills that we've had in the past. So there will probably be some, uh, some drag queen related bills that come my way. We, we worked on those last year, made some good progress. And I think that could be an issue that there's, um, an ability to get something done there. And basically the idea there is we're, we're trying to protect kids from really inappropriate adult content. And we see this every June, especially they, they, these various advocacy groups and special interest groups put together these events that they label as kid friendly. And then you see the pictures and videos coming out of these events and it's just absolutely disgusting. I, um, what, what the, what, what these kids are being exposed to. So I think there's going to be some work there to try and protect kids from really obscene and appropriate adult content, especially in that context. I think there'll probably be some other, uh, things as well. There could be again, some library type of bills, uh, dealing with publicly funding certain 
books and literature that are being um, put in front of kids in those types of venues. So we could see some some of those types of bills on the social issue side come through general laws this year. Uh, one of the other issues that, that we've talked about in the past and I think was going to be an issue this year in the General Assembly, several states you've seen have raised uh, or required age verification for you to access uh, porn websites. We've seen this in Virginia and Texas and Utah and Arkansas. Um, and I know that conversation starting to happen in Missouri. Uh, that'd be an issue that would end up in a general laws committee. Yeah, exactly right. And I think that that's an issue that um, a lot of Missouri legislators ha- are interested in working on. I think I've talked to three or four in just the past week that are all filing something along those lines. Um, so I think there's going to be a real appetite in doing something there. And that's something that we've seen. I mean, that's not a red state, blue state issue. We've had you know, in Virginia, I think it was unanimous when it came through the legislature yeah, that, there. That, that's exactly right. So um, we'll see if we can get that degree of bipartisan support in Missouri. We've got some interesting characters on the other <laughs> side of the aisle that stand for some things that really just make you scratch your head. Uh, but this seems like an like a no-brainer, and I think there's going to be an opportunity to move that through the House and hopefully uh, an opportunity on the Senate side, too. You know, I forgot to ask the question of the day. Question of the day today, Alex, who is your favorite church father or church elder in history? You know, there's a lot of them that are great, but I'm I'm going to go with Martin Luther, and it's not because I have a lot of Lutherans in my family, though that is true. Um, I think that one of the things that he did that was probably most impactful when the Protestant Reformation was getting started, a lot of that was based around the idea that um, average people should be able to have access to God's word and be able to read the Bible for themselves. And they really didn't have that up to that point. Um, the, The church elders and authorities at that time really kept the Bible under lock and key, and you you basically had to, you know, receive their blessing in order to actually read God's word for yourself. And I think Martin Luther was really instrumental in opening up opportunities for the average person to, to go to God's word by themselves. And uh, got to go with Martin Luther on this one today. Very good, Alex. If people want to keep up with the work that you're doing during session, um, how do they find you on on the internet? Follow you on social media? Just generally stay plugged into the 2024 yep, session. I'm I'm on Facebook, uh, Alex Riley on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, Alex Riley Mo. Once session gets started, we send out weekly uh, newsletters to anyone that subscribes. Um, and they can go to the house website. I have a little profile page on there. If you find me on the house website, there's a click to sign up to receive my weekly capital report update. So they'll get that every week in their email, um, while we're in session. That's really the best way to keep up on everything that's happening on a weekly basis in Jeff city. Very good. Alex Riley. Thanks for joining us today. Look forward to, uh, hopefully a better session than last year. We'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed. That's right. Appreciate it. All right, we're going to be right back. Listen, we got to talk a little bit about Kadarius Tony and the Chiefs last night. Not my favorite subject, but we're just going to check in, do a little touch. And uh, don't forget, Snake Draft coming up 540 later on.